0: And welcome to BiblioChat. I'm your host, Forrest Robot. On this episode, we have Taylor Weeks with us, BiblioScoop's finance expert. And Taylor, last episode I spoke about the British East India Company's strategy of decentralized operations. As the company expanded around the globe, a way in which they they separated themselves from the competition was their strategy of decentralized operations. They were able to establish outposts that had independent management, that could defend themselves, and also make decisions that were most necessary for that outpost's environment. You know, an outpost in the East Indies would have much different needs than an outpost in North America. So I'm curious to know if this strategy is used in the modern capitalist environment.
1: Thank you for having me, Forrest. And I really enjoyed last week's episode. I highly recommend everybody who's not listened to it to go and check it out. It was a fascinating lesson, and it was a very insightful insightful comment, bit of commentary by you. So thank you. Um, and to answer your question, yes, absolutely. Today's day and age, decentralized decision-making is still a very important aspect of having success in the corporate world. Now, this is my own personal thought, and it's not relevant for every industry and type of business, but empowering individual managers to allow he or she to make the right decisions for their specific PNLs, if they're responsible for a PNL, or if they're responsible for a store or if they're responsible for a restaurant, they have to make decisions that's right for them in a set of, uh, constraints and contexts that could vary quite significantly across many of their other even companies or, or like, uh, counterparts. So like we do this a lot at Harris where we empower individual decision makers run their own businesses, we like to say that everybody's their own CEO, to go out and, uh, you know, make these decisions with adequate support from the center. And this is applicable whether you're McDonald's, whether you're like, um, you know, Raising Cane's, which is now the new popular like chicken finger restaurant brand, you get, if you can get provided adequate support and Chick-fil-A actually, let's just stop there. Chick-fil-A is by far one of the best examples of this success receiving adequate support from the center, whether it be marketing, finance, operations, logistics, whatever it might be to make their jobs easier and hiring people who fit within their values and their customer service excellence to make decisions and run their restaurant as they, uh, deem necessary to have the most success while remaining in that overall lane, that corporate strategy that, you know, top down ethos and vibe that they want to put out there that makes them so successful is a is an incredibly powerful strategy and it really does center around finding the right person to go out and run whatever it is that you're asking he or she to run and empowering them providing them with support
0: so it's interesting you bring up the franchise example so there's the main franchiser and all the smaller independent franchisees know their market and how to adapt to their market Where with a British East India company, an outpost trading spices in the East Indies would operate much differently than an outpost trading opium in China. And so knowing your local market is a key to success. Do you think that this is a fair comparison?
1: Yes, I absolutely think this is a fair comparison. And honestly, you you brought up one of the more interesting points about conducting business internationally in today's modern age companies that have historically tried to go into international markets without tailoring their offerings their goods their services or their uh you know marketing campaigns to the local market have faced significant issues and been very unable to unseat the incumbent if there's you know an equivalent local industry in that market now there are some exceptions like nike nike is ubiquitous they're everywhere they are all things at all places the swoosh translates but you know if you're going and trying to uh open up a restaurant like mcdonald's and serve chicken nuggets and hamburgers somewhere where people can't eat beef well then what are you doing you have to tailor your menu to the uh, uh customs and the culture and the overall needs and wants and desires of that local market, because to try and force your views down upon them, which actually is kind of what colonization was, has historically been an un, like just a, you know, not a very good thing and not a very sustainable thing. If you want to interact with a local market and allow decision-making to be made at that local market with those local managers and leaders, you know, Part of the beauty of international business because these markets are so different, some are more related than others. But generally speaking, diversification allows you to be consistent and you know have a strong brand that's synonymous with different attributes in different markets. Which, if done appropriately, can yield massive success.
0: Well, thank you, Taylor. Those are some uh, interesting comparisons. So, next week we are going to Go to the beginnings of the British East India Company and their original foundation under Queen Elizabeth and the important relationship between the monarch and private enterprise. Thank you for listening.